May his name be exalted in this service and in all we do as a church. Good to see you today. We appreciate you coming. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since uh, we've had our 1050, so welcome back 1050 worship uh, people. We appreciate you here today. If you came here, you know, we're getting used to that, and the same thing happened to the 830 service, but if you came at 1050 or a minute or two before, well, look around. They kept coming in, and the more, the more Mary and the band sang, but we appreciate it. Praise band had a little bit of time off. As a matter of fact, it's okay. Why don't, you, uh, why don't we applaud how the Lord has used our praise band today, leading us in worship. We know that His name uh, has been exalted. We appreciate you being here. What you find in your Bibles or smartphones or whatever it is that you can find, Ruth chapter 1, Old Testament book of Ruth, you know the story. But uh, we're going to take a look at it, and we may learn something new, hopefully be renewed and refreshed today uh, as we read in Ruth chapter 1, beginning this sermon series on it's all about relationships. And we know that that's true. We know it's about relationships in the family, that uh, we want to grow in our love, and Lord help us in our families, in our church family. We know in the community, and first and foremost, it's our relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And matter of fact, you're here because of relationships. You're here because... Uh, if you are a member of this church, we know that uh, it's because you're a believer in the Lord Jesus. The Lord has brought you here. It's because of your faith in Jesus and probably because of a relationship that you had before coming or that you relationships you have now. So we're going to be talking about all those things. But let you know, since this is still kind of starting the uh, first of this year, uh, this is part of a bigger picture, whether you remember or not. But uh, we started in 2020 kind of with the goal of... I pretty much we preached most of all of Genesis so we in 2020 as we began in Exodus and we're working our way through the Bible for this decade until 2030, 2030, see you in Revelation. But uh, we plan to get there and don't feel that you have missed out on anything that, uh, of course, always good to be here. But if you're new to Parkway or guest here today and you just, you know, it's kind of like the trains are moving on and we'd love for you to jump on and be on with us. And uh, But our goal is not just to be able to preach through the scriptures. It will not be every chapter and every verse, but our goal is to know God and to make God known. And so that's what we're going to continue to be doing. But we're in Ruth chapter 1, and uh, we're going to look at the whole chapter, but I'm just going to read, well, I'll probably read most of it, but we're going to read Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 18 this morning. This now is the Word of God. Ruth chapter 1 and verse 1, in the days of the judges, when the judges ruled there was a famine in the land. And the man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, the name of his wife Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The names of the one was Orpah. In the name of the other Ruth, and they lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Kilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Verse 6 reads, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. She set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept, and they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? 
Turn back my daughters, go your way, for I'm too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then he lifted up their, they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you, to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. I don't know about in, in your neighborhood, but in our neighborhood, there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of lost dog and cat signs on posters in our neighborhood. And I, I don't know that it's because we lose more than anybody else. Oh, look, there's a picture of one already. And, uh, but it is, uh, uh, I think we just have lots of dogs and cats. So here's, here's one, maybe that you've seen this or something. And the description reads uh, like this. Only got three legs, blind in left eye, missing right ear, neutered accidentally by fence. I don't think about that one. Almost deaf, answers by name of, wait for it, name of, Lucky. How many of you thought it was going to be tripod instead? But uh, doesn't sound like a very lucky dog, but it's a lucky dog because why? Because it has an owner that loves and it cares and wants the dog back. Now, theologically speaking, we don't consider luck as part of what we believe happens, particularly in our relationship with God, but we're blessed. We're blessed because we have a God that loves us and cares for us and wants us and wants to have a relationship with us. We have a, a we have a God that loves you if you're a lost person, no matter regardless of the baggage in which you carry. We have a God that wants you back if you've been far away and wants to bring you back. As a matter of fact, in this service, and particularly still kind of the beginning of this year, that if you've been away from God or if you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, it is our prayer in this service and certainly throughout the year, but particularly if you're here today listening live stream, that today that you may come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you realize how much God truly does care for you and loves you. These are the very things that we've been singing about today, exalting the name of Jesus and wanting to be sure that you, we understand that it is through Jesus and only through Jesus that we can know life and that we can know about real love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in verse 8 says this, Love never fails. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. But God's love never fails. Real love never fails. Sometimes our love runs low when it is not grounded in genuine, godly, unconditional love. Now, believe it or not, the world can know about love, even those who are not followers of Jesus, because of the influence of God, because the Lord has let the world know through creation, through the very nature that we have, certainly through the sending of the Son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, even those who do not know Jesus can experience and can know love up to a certain point. And because of that, they are able to choose to know God and to be able to love God through the Lord Jesus Christ. But real, genuine, unconditional love can only be experienced by those who know Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to talk about today uh, 
And we'll talk about and understand and talk about real love. And as we do, we're talking about that which is godly love, what the New Testament calls agape love, that which is revealed in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because we are human, and due to our sinful nature, our ideas of true and genuine love fall short and sometimes becomes corrupt. But you need to be able to understand that all of the Bible... All of this book of Ruth, in particular, as we look at this chapter, this first chapter in Ruth, it helps us to recognize and demonstrate love that is genuine. Book of Ruth, it is. It's about relationships, about a relationship with God. It's about husband and wife relationship, parent, child, in-laws, particularly, maybe about friends and even with a church family, about a relationship with the community. For those who are not yet married and perhaps they're looking for some kind of romantic love and answers about that kind of love. Well, while that is not the main focus of the book of Ruth, it is, has much to say about that very thing. Two main characters in the book of Ruth, two main ladies, the one of course whom it is named after. And then there's the co-star of the story, the one has a lot of focus in chapter 1, it's Naomi. Naomi main name means pleasant one. But as we've just read about Naomi, you think that she would always have a uh, positive outlook on life, on the things that were happening, but we find, at least in this episode of this season of her life, that may not necessarily be so. From Ruth, we're going to learn, see, even today and even in the days to come, we're going to learn many things about godly love and about God's love for her and about how she reciprocates that uh, to the Lord and to others as well. From Naomi, while she's not the evil mother-in-law, in fact, she's a loving mother-in-law, but we're going to learn probably, particularly in the first part of the story of Ruth, more about what it is that we should not do. From Naomi Ruth, we want to learn, though, how we might recognize and demonstrate real love. And so, first thing that we find in doing that is real love does not give up. Uh, Real love does not give up. Love endures. It keeps on keeping on when times are tough. Now, there's some giving up that takes place in Ruth chapter 1. Giving up leads to wrong choices. Now, I don't know exactly how many wrong choices Naomi may have made. We know that she made some. And we know that there were some wrong choices made by those around her. Elimelech was her husband. His name means God is my king. But he, at least in this episode of his life, he did not necessarily live up to his name. Surely... God wanted this family to stay in the promised land, even though it was not the best of times. Verse 1 that we read just a moment ago tells us that this family lived in this story, unfolds, during the period of the judges. Now, some of you know about the period of the judges and uh, know that it was a dark time spiritually. In fact, it says in Judges chapter 21 and verse 25, it says, In those days there was no king, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. May should sound familiar to you for a couple of reasons, particularly if you were here in any of the services this past year, but also everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Does that not sound like what may be happening today? It was an accurate description of the period of the judges. And there was a famine in the land, it says in verse 1. Now there was a famine of food. There was a things, but there was a spiritual famine that was taking place. And probably one caused the other. And Elimelech, instead of showing trust in God, he left the land of Moab, left the land of Israel to go to the land of Moab. So Naomi's husband gave up and moved the family 
physically to another place, to a foreign land. And we're, we're relating this today, and it often is the case, that it kind of relates to those who have been obedient to God, but they have instead, they become disobedient, and they've moved away from God by being disobedient. Her two sons, also around Naomi, her two sons gave up in a sense because they married foreign girls, and that was wrong. Had nothing to do with race, nothing to do with nationality, but they were told as Israelites, the followers of God's people, they were not to marry outside of their faith, but they Obviously, their family moved and they find themselves in the land of Moab and they married, uh, they did not, they married uh, somebody of a different, different uh, worshiped idols. Uh, we, we often, as we look at this story, we often understand that this is a major flaw in what was taking place in the Old Testament because the Israelites, some of the major sins in which they were committing at that time, it was that they were uh, worshiping idols and they were giving their children to marry those who worshiped idols. And so this was intermarriage that was taking place of those who were not like faith. I've been teaching young people and young adults for years that Christians are to marry Christians. In fact, guys, before you ask that girl out on a date, you probably need to know whether she's a Christian or not. And girls, before you accept that invitation, you need to know if that person professes to be a Christian. Several reasons why. This is what uh, the Lord has intended. We find it in the Old Testament and the New Testament to marry those who are believers in the Lord Jesus. Also, there's a greater chance for someone who is a, not a believer in the Lord Jesus to pull you away from the faith or to pull you down than there is to leading them in the direction. But there's a, another reason. Uh, I was reading Malachi recently. Malachi chapter 2 and verse 15 reveals that God wants us to marry people of like faith so that we might have godly offspring. Christians are to marry Christians and Christians who marry Christians are more likely to have uh, children who also are believers in the Lord Jesus. And so it's, it's a good reason for us. But you know, it's, it's hard for teenagers and college students and other adults to maybe think sometimes about what's going to take place in the future. Not just about this, but about other things as well. So I ask you, uh, maybe to the girls, next time, uh, next time somebody asks you out who's not a believer. Um, by the way, do, do girls still get asked out or do they just talk? text and tweet and suddenly you're married. I'm not sure how it works today, but, but next time, instead of coming up with an excuse, what you need to do is to remember this reason and say, and you say, if they ask you, I say, well, because I want to have godly offspring. They'll say, hello, they weren't thinking about any kind of offspring. So real love does not give up on God's plan. Now I've known many examples of Christians dating and married non-Christians, having said that, who became Christians. And it's an example of God's grace. In fact, that's the example of Ruth, who was a Moabite and became a believer in Almighty God. And the New Testament is clear that Christians who are married to non-Christians are to stay married if at all possible, if for no other reason, so that they might be one to the Lord. But for young people and those not married, the Bible is clear. God's ideals, believers are to marry believers. Thus, there were some wrong decisions that went on in Naomi's life. They ran from God's will instead of toward God's will. Then when Naomi's husband and her two sons died in a foreign land, life and decisions became even more difficult outside of God's plan. The lesson is that when we find ourselves in tough situations, imperfect relationships, maybe even circumstances beyond our control, 
running away from our problems or running away from God is never the answer. Instead, we are to be sure that we turn to Him, be sure that we've repented of our sins and we can understand and know that He loves us and He's waiting for us. Godly love hangs in there and perseveres. While we're we're talking about relationships, you see the verse, I've not read it, but maybe you have Malachi 2.15. Let me read the whole verse. Did not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union. What was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit. Let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. That's Malachi 2 verse 15. Malachi 2 16, very next verse says, God hates divorce. Scripture tells us so more than one place. And divorce is spoken of many times in the Bible so often because probably in every culture, every society, we know that broken relationships and marriage is nothing new. For many, when the going gets tough, well, the less than tough probably move on or get going. It it seems easier to run away when, when what you're really doing more often is exchanging one set of problems for another set and the second is not any better than the first. But notice here was Elimelech and there's a famine in the land of Palestine. So they were hungry or they feared being hungry. And for Elimelech, God's will was clear. They were to stay in Palestine. Many people in marriage relationships sometimes are love-starved. Or if they feel they stay where they are, well, they're going to be detrimental. Probably no one who's been married at any, for any particular length of time has not thought about whether they should be staying or leaving. But here's what you have to do first. It's not necessarily asking what is God's will. There may be a more important question even than that, or, or at least just as important. What could be more important than asking what is God's will? Are you willing to follow God's will no matter what? Maybe just as important, because if you're not willing to follow God's will, no matter what it is, well, then probably what God's will is, at least to you, probably does not matter. Understand, in every relationship, our marriage and family and friends and church family, co-workers, people down the street, strangers that we meet, and how you show godly love, it's important that we follow God's will. So let's say you're, you're... you're one of us. So we decide we, we, want to, we are wanting to follow God's will. Or at least we're seeking God's will. And, and maybe, maybe you're going through a tough time and maybe you hear, or you hear a voice maybe or you think that, feel that maybe you need to do something different or get out of that relationship. Well, what you've got to ask is, where's that voice coming from? Is it from self? Is it from Satan? Or is it from the Savior? Because any voice or anything or any inclination that you have that is not from our Lord and Savior, then it's not God's will. I'm sad to say it breaks God's heart that not every marriage can be saved, but scores and multitudes of marriages could be saved if we follow this attribute of godly love that perseveres and endures no matter what. But how thankful we are for God's grace. For God's grace that makes it evident whether it's something that is our fault, somebody else's fault, whether in positions nobody's fault, when things happen, we know that one, that we know that He forgives us, we know that He can put us in the right relationship, and that regardless of what we are going through or what we're facing, that He can use all things and all circumstances for His purposes and His plan. I had a, had a layman, deacon in the church, that uh, uh, older gentleman, kind of... Uh, homespun wisdom sometimes that he would share and he was talking about this particular thing and he and his wife had been married for many, many years said they were going through a rough patch and 
they really seemed to be miserable with one another. And so they got together, finally sat down and talked about it. And as they talked about it, they thought, well, now if we get divorced, do you think we'll get married again? They probably get, might get very younger, might get married again. They said, well, said, uh, as they thought about it, they said, well, if we got married again, we might make somebody else miserable. I said, well, and so they stayed together so that instead of four people being miserable, it would just be two. Now, I'm not sure about the theology of that, but they did not give up and the Lord blessed them with a wonderful, long-lasting, fulfilling marriage. It might be marriage or it might be other, some other kind of relationship or something else where you think about giving up. And if you don't, you think you're going to miss out on something. Well, listen, it's better to be hungry in the will of God than to be well-fed out of God's will. Better be hungry in the will of God than to be well-fed out of God's will. See, they were facing a famine. They're afraid they're going to be hungry. But to be in God's will was the most important thing. Naomi and Elimelech took their sons away. Young couple. They've got growing boys, perhaps, or young men. And they go and they move away. And they move away to a foreign land, to the land of the Moabites. Moabites were considered some of Israel's worst enemies. And they were gone for 10 years. And I want you to understand this because I want you to hear what I'm saying. Uh, who did they think their sons were going to marry? If it's clear they were to marry Israelite women, Israel, you know, stay married to the Israelites. Well, here we are, we're believers in the Lord Jesus and we're followers of Christ and we're part of this church. And if you're a parent or you're a grandparent, it, maybe there's a lesson here for us. Who do we think our children are going to marry? And how are they going to be able to follow God's will if we take them out of the church? Or if we let them think that church is not a priority and being a part of God's people, not just being here at church, though that's important, but being sure that we're part of God's church and we're being the church that God would want us to be. And now, or we, we, there's no guarantee our children are going to make wise and great godly decisions, but... We want to give them every fighting chance. We've got another. We've talked about true love or real love. To, uh, we know that it uh, does not give up. We also, real love does not cover up. The story of Naomi's life so far, at least in the first five verses, could be summed up with two weddings and three funerals. We know that the death of loved ones often bring changes. And here was Naomi as while she was in the foreign land, out of God's will that she lost her husband and her two sons. Naomi found herself in circumstances beyond her control. And after 10 years in the foreign land, she lost her husband, both sons, two daughter-in-laws to think about. But her place was to go back to the city of Bethlehem where the families had, the famine had ended and now there was food. In fact, if you look back at chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, Then she rose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. She's returning from Bethlehem to where she should have never left, to where there is now food. But she doesn't say anything particularly about following God's will. Her motivations still seem to be more about food than faith. And there's no doubt that God is using all of these circumstances in order to bring Naomi and the baby both daughters-in-law, the only one remained and continued to stay, to Bethlehem and back to Bethlehem and back to, their own, back to her own country. And... Uh, and Naomi, she's, she's bringing them back. We read the story. She's on her way, and she's halfway back. And the Bible says that she stops and she pleads with her widowed daughters-in-law to return back to their own country, for she had no husband to take care of them. She knew that these Moabites, who were enemies of Israel, who had already fought against Israel, she knew that they would not be accepted. Well, they're in Palestine. Likely that would be the case. 
And so she pleads with them to go back. And uh, she, uh, her two daughter-in-laws were willing to go with her. But Naomi knew how difficult that it would be. Her advice might have been true, but it was not spiritually prudent. She told the truth. To go with her would be the difficult choice. They'd be going to this foreign land. Now the Jewish custom called the Leveret Marriage, we'll talk more about it in the weeks to come, but it was that when a husband died, the nearest uh, single male relative would be asked to take her as wife. But she said, basically, I'm too old to have children. Even if I was, you could not wait for them to grow up. Uh, we have to ask, though, why would Naomi, a believer in the one true God, send these two ladies back to a pagan land of people who did not know God? Maybe life on earth would have been better for them. But the hope of heaven is only found in Yahweh, the one true God. Why would she do it? Well, maybe she was trying to cover up just how far her family had moved away from God. And maybe she was not wanting to realize all the things that, or others to realize all the things that she had been through. Uh, Many people realize that they're away from God, maybe gave up on following God's will and seek to turn back, but stop halfway and make excuses, rationalize what they've done or seek to cover up their sin. Naomi was sad and felt sorry, but she had not yet repented. There are many good church-going people who are aware of their sins. They may even feel bad, but have not fully repented of their sins. They turn halfway back to God, but that's not enough. What was the result? Ruth, we will see will be an example of genuine love. But Oprah, excuse me, Orpah, although it may be more fitting than we realize, she wept and kissed her mother-in-law goodbye and went back to the world where there was every indication she would have followed had she been given the chance. Here's the truth you need to know. True repentance and full obedience will lead others to Jesus. True repentance and obedience will lead others to Jesus. It's a benefit of godly love. Feigning toward God, a partial return without repentance will have the opposite effect, which leads to what else we can learn, particularly in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 6, the very last uh, part of that verse. In the King James it said, For she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited His people in giving them bread. It said in the ESV about giving them food, but it's particularly important that we see this as bread is being given because we know that in Bethlehem, Bethlehem means house of bread. In the place where there was no house, of, no bread, now the Lord had provided bread. It is sure that the Lord had provided in Bethlehem. But the moment, he's providing another way because, and you know that, if you know anything about the Bible, you know that the moment that I said city of Bethlehem, you know that there's a bigger picture here. You know there's a greater implication that's taking place because the Lord is at work, of course, to have Ruth come. Not only that she will be saved, but it is through the genealogy of Ruth that the whole world would be saved. So this story of Ruth is not just a sweet, nice story that we can learn some good things, you know, the good for a women's study, that kind of thing. This is a major piece of the puzzle where the Lord is at work so that the Savior might be born. And He provided physically in Bethlehem. He provided spiritually in Bethlehem as well. So regardless of what change has taken place or what circumstance you're in, God doth provide. And not just food, clothing, and shelter, but He provides every spiritual need, nourishment, direction, and eternity. So we understand real love uh, does not give up. Real love does not cover up. Also, real love does not stir up, at least not in a negative way. 
when Naomi came back to her hometown of Bethlehem, she'd been through some tough times. And there was a stir in the town because of Naomi. Now, Bethlehem really is a, was a small town and has remained a small town if you go there, there today. Anybody ever, anybody ever said, you know how large Auburn is getting? Anybody said to you that Auburn is the largest small town in Alabama? And I think what they mean by that is people still talk about people here, you know, kind of thing. Well, here, notice what happened. We read through verse 18 a moment ago, but look at Ruth chapter 1 and verse 19. It says, so the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? She had left as the pleasant one, but now she had come back after 10 tough years. And now, not this necessarily the years had aged her, but now they can see a different attitude or a different look perhaps on her face. And when they asked, is this Naomi? Well, she could have used that famous line, I guess, it's not the years, it's the mileage. She said, don't call me Naomi anymore, which means pleasant one. Instead, calls me Mara, which means bitter. She didn't feel very pleasant. She felt empty. And though she had not lost all of her faith, she felt that God was dealing harshly with her for her sins. And twice she said that the Almighty had made her life bitter. Does that sound like she's taking responsibility for herself? Maybe not quite yet. Do you think she wanted to stir a little bit of sympathy? Poor, poor, pitiful me. Let me tell you what my wife, let me tell you what my husband let me tell you what this family member did. Let me tell you how they're treating me at work. Let me tell you what so-and-so said to me or about me. Very natural conversations we have with one another, but when we find that all of our conversations or all of our focus is on me, then we'll miss the mark of real love for God that spills over for others. I don't, I don't know where I saw this T-shirt for the first time, but saw somebody wearing the T-shirt that said, Be nice to me, I've had a hard day. And the young kid said, Uh... How do you know it's still early in the morning? Listen, self-loathing or self-exalting is the opposite of real love. Self-loathing or self-exalting is the opposite of real love. We want to point people to God, not put the focus on ourselves. Godly love does not stir up the negative. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, not blessed are the pot stirrers. So we've talked about what real love is not. Let's just quickly talk about a couple of things that real love is. First of all, real love, genuine love does look up. Real love does look up. We've told the story now of Ruth and Naomi coming back to Bethlehem. And I want you to picture them walking into the city limits or the town limits of Bethlehem. What do you picture Naomi doing? Is she looking up or is she looking down? Ah, there's no indication that she is looking up by her own admission. She's bitter and empty. We, uh, we started this past Wednesday night a class, and I, I hesitate to call it the, the depression class because it's not like you get depressed because you come, but it is to help people and us to be able to help others who are facing anxiety and overwhelming worry and depression and those sort of things. But I think about Naomi. If anybody had a reason perhaps to be depressed, then she's got a good excuse anyway. We often talk about how tough situations can make you a better person, can make you a better believer in the Jesus, but it does not necessarily, unless you're intentional in being submissive to the Lord and letting God be at work in your life. Many reasons for Naomi not to be bitter and for us not to be bitter. She did have a home and a place to go back to. She could go back to Bethlehem, the house of bread. We have someone to go to. 
We have someone who is the one that is the bread of life. Bethlehem, the house of bread, was to birth the one who is the bread of life. We're not left without direction. She did have friends that cared for her. Is this Naomi, they said? Later, these would be the very friends that would celebrate with her because a grandchild was born. Yes, sometimes people can be true, but God blesses us with community, with Christian friends and relationship. And while she didn't realize it yet, Ruth was her greatest blessing on earth who was an example of real love. She still had family. Through Ruth, God would provide for her in every way. And for those who know the rest of the story, Ruth, the ancestor of Jesus, God would provide for the whole world. God has provided blessings for which we do not even know of yet. Had she looked up, she would have seen that God still cared for her. Let's be sure that we're looking up. Look up. Look up and see the cross of Christ. And see that we've been blessed, truly blessed and never alone because we have Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And one more before we go. And it's this. Real love does stand up. Real love does stand up. I've connected a couple of verses here that often use in marriage ceremonies. We read 1 Corinthians 13, verse, verse 8. And then we read here Ruth chapter 1 and verse 16 where Ruth replied, Do not... Urge me to leave you to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Neither of these were intended specifically to be used between husband and wife or between bride and groom. But it does paint a portrait of genuine and real love. We've probably, or I probably painted Naomi a little bit darker than she really was because after all, it was because of Naomi that Ruth was able to Understand and know that there is one God. He is God Almighty. She uses the word El Shaddai when she refers to God. I believe meaning to know that she does have faith in God. Weak as it was at this time, but through Naomi, Ruth was able to come to know the real God. In fact, in Ruth chapter 2, we're going to talk about next week, we're going to talk about particularly about Ruth's profession of faith and full conversion. I think... Ruth had seen in Naomi glimpses of faith, imperfect as it was, a faith in a living God for which her heart truly longed. And Ruth is an example of godly, real love. But Jesus is our greatest example, the one who continues to love us. Sometimes we might feel like Naomi. God's out to get me. I feel empty. God's punishing me for something I've done in the past. Truly, as children of God, Jesus took our punishment for us on the cross. There is no need for him to continue to punish us. There's no reason for us to punish ourselves. Sometimes the Lord may discipline us to put us back in the right place in which we need to be. The Lord uses opportunities in all kinds of places so that we might be able to be on right track. This chapter, last verse, gives us that glimpse of hope. God had brought her back home, it says, in verse 22 of Ruth chapter 1. And then there's that last phrase, almost seems insignificant. It says, it was the beginning of barley harvest. Well, what difference does that make? Except the time of year, perhaps it was. But it's a reminder that the famine is over and God does provide. In matter of fact, it would be the barley harvest that led Ruth to meeting her husband Boaz. But it's also talks of a new beginning like spring is a time for a new beginning like January beginning of a new year he is the God of new beginnings the psalmist told us in Psalm 30 verse 5 weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning it's, it's become interesting to me 
over these last uh, 22 months how the Word of God continues to speak to these unprecedented times. We talked about, in 2020, we talked about the, uh, the Israelites who left Egypt, followed Moses into the Promised Land, and I was reminded how we do not need to be slaves to anything in this world, but the Lord gives us freedom to be able to choose Him and to follow Him. We talked about uh, Joshua, where we were reminded that uh, we were to be strong and courageous because he's already won the victory. Uh, We talked about in uh, 2021, we talked about in Judges, that even in the darkest times, God always does provide. And then we talked about sometimes the New Testament, how the New Testament continues to give us answers, the answers that we know that are found in Jesus. And then here in the book of Ruth, we find out that you need to be fully convinced Jesus is the way and the only way before the tough times comes or you are likely to be pulled away. Here's our key message. It is this, recognizing and demonstrating love that is genuine depends on how much you trust God's love for you. How much do you trust that God really does does love you? God loves you and has a plan. You can trust Him. He has a plan for every family member. He loves your spouse. He loves your family. He loves your neighbors. He loves them all more than you do. You can trust God's plan for you. There are lots of benefits of giving your heart and life to Jesus. Lots of benefits of moving back to the center. We know that if we're followers of Jesus, because Jesus is the one that makes us righteous, we know that there's a heavenly home that is waiting for us. We also know that uh, Jesus can help us to uh, be in the center of His will. But here's one that we find today. He helps us to be able to recognize and demonstrate Real love. So I'm asking you today, and maybe as we go along this journey, particularly this month and begin this year, that we, rec- that we seek to recognize God's love for us and seek to demonstrate that more than ever before. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for our time together. We thank you that we come to this place knowing that you're here ready to meet with us. We thank you, Father, for how you're going to continue to be at work in our lives today and in the days to come. We commit ourselves to you, Father asking that we might be able to experience more of your love and asking that we might be able to show more of your love. We pray that you may help us to grow in our relationships and particularly in our relationship with you. We pray, Father, if there's one here today or someone perhaps listening that does not know you as Lord and Savior today, that because of the story found in Ruth, because of our praises that we've sung, prayers that we've prayed, that today they want to come to know you and have that relationship with you and begin anew and afresh. We pray that that happens today as well. We thank you, Father. For our time here together, pray that you may continue to be at work. It's in Christ's name we lift these prayers. Amen.